Blog Talk Radio. Hello out there, my millions of listeners. Uh, this is the Reverend John St. Germain, and we're welcoming you once again to the Crystal Silence League Radio Hour. And tonight, we're going to um, explore the myths, legends, and history of the Cherokee. And we'll just keep doing this as long as the topic interests me, and then uh, we'll ramble along to something else. Man, we're uh, on episode uh, 156, right? And uh, who ever would have thought this uh, <clears throat> would have lasted this long? So uh, why don't you go uh, get you a drink or something and come back in just a minute while I get organized here. And uh, we'll pick up where we left off last week. Well, I'm back. I didn't really go anywhere. I just kind of sat here and manipulated my controls, such controls as we have here on Blog Talk Radio in our uh, mighty studio, our multi-million dollar studio with a staff of hundreds that bring us your weekly radio programs. Of course, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company located in Forestdale, California. Also hosts of the uh, Hoodoo Heritage Root Work Festival. Actually, it's uh, the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers that bring you that every year, which is um, under the umbrella of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches. We're a very complex web and network of of um, organizations. The uh, AISC also sponsors the Crystal Silence League, which of which this show is a an organ, an extension a resource for its members. Of course, the Crystal Silence League was originally founded around 1917 by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, a magical adept, for the purpose of projecting magical and spiritual prayers and affirmations for all those who needed that. And when he passed into the silence around 1954, the League went with him until, of course, magical adepts of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches brought it back to life on the Internet about 2007, I think. And we've been there ever since. And if you go to the www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll see that we have prayers posted there. 
uh, sometimes as many as 200 a week. And then we pray for you, and if someone prays for you, they uh, push a little button, and you get a notice via email that you have been prayed for. And our pastors, of which I am one, um, we often print these prayers out, many of them, and put them on our personal altars, and we pray for you with our crystal balls. The art of crystal ball projection, crystallomancy, the four branches, are taught in some literature that you can obtain from us. Go to the gift shop, and you can order them there, along with various crystal balls and things. And if you order something from the gift shop, you get a free year's membership in the Crystal Silence League. People say, how do I join? Well, you buy something, basically. You get a year's membership, and you should get a card with it, a membership card. And um, you get a book, and there are three books at this point, uh, two by our founder, Claude Conlon, and one by me. And we updated some of the techniques and expanded upon them. I, bought, I uh, researched, I, just, uh, I researched the original literature and expanded on it, the four branches of crystallomancy. So let's talk about our crystal of the week, which is uh, pyromorphite, which is an interesting crystal. It's a, uh, um, if you look at it, it's an olive green crystal. It does come in different colors, like many of these um, these crystals, depending on what's infused. And I want to talk about the olive green part. Sometimes it's orange and yellow and brown. Um, but we'll talk about the um, um, olive green. Um, now, you'll find it... Um, Nick, you find it usually in lid ore deposits. Um, it's got a very unique form. They're these barrel-shaped crystals, and they grow out like cacti. It looks like a branching cacti. Uh, sometimes you'll see them in yellow and white, orange, yellow, um, and green. Um, it's called poly, uh, pyromorphite because it looks like fire. Right? Pyro, fire, morphite, shape. So these are... Uh, Stones that can resonate uh, with the sac sacral and the, uh, not the sacral, but the, uh, uh, the spleen and the heart chakra. And they can um, help uh, energize you. They can help you through stressful situations. They're sometimes called the victory stone because it can help you plow through things. Um, uh, they're good with uh, uh, prosperity work. They help with what... Uh, we spiritual people like to call true prosperity, uh, how to let go of material things and work on true prosperity. Um, it helps you make good choices. It helps you deal with uh, karma. Uh, something I deal with a lot with people is they think life's not fair. Uh, sometimes I have to work with people to let them realize life is fair. There's a cause and effect of things, and... Uh, 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 pyromorphite can sort of help you deal with that. You realize that there is a cause and effect of things. Um, if you understand that uh, money is energy, right? Money is something you get in exchange for energy. Uh, polymorphite can help you understand how energy works. Um, if you're restless, this can help you control it. If you don't have enough energy, this can help you gain energy. It helps balancing your energy. It can help you with your learning abilities. It can help you with insight. Um, it's a very versatile stone. Uh, I don't get into the physical healing of stones. This is a very controversial field. I don't want to tell you that you know, a stone can help you with diabetes or a stone can help you with uh, cancer and things, but there's a whole list of things that these stones, um, some people believe, can help you with. Um, because it's called the Victory Stone, it can help uh, help you with courage. It can help you with social shyness. Um, it, it can help you balance uh, yourself if you feel out of balance. It can help relieve fear and stress. It can help relieve anxiety. Uh, you know how sometimes when you feel like you're pulled in different directions, uh, people demand too much from you, it can, uh, it can help you back off from that sort of pressure and find uh, realistic uh, boundaries. The um, 
so it's very nice. Now, if you make an elixir from it, it's a brittle stone. It's a brittle crystal, so you don't want to use a direct method. You can get pieces of it in the in the water, so you want to use an indirect method, which means that you put it in a secondary container. Uh, I like to take a little vial with a screw top, and uh, if I'm using an indirect method, put the crystal in a vial with a screw top or a cork and submerge it in the liquid and leave it out in the moon and or in the sun and let it infuse its uh, vibrations into the water and uh, take it out and then add a few drops of brandy and then you can use the elixir for your magical or healing purposes. And uh, that's pyromorphite, a nice green stone, sometimes again orange or white, but we're working with the olive green this week. So if you go to the crystalsilenceleague.org prayer page, you'll see that we have many, many prayers there. Um, I pick a few and read them out loud every week, and we use these anonymously. Um, I don't read names out. Um, I mean, I don't know why people put names in it, but we like to keep things anonymously here. We're like a uh, support meeting. We keep things anonymously, and people often write things anonymously. You know, you can tell a lot about a person by their... Uh, screen names, and we often, in our uh, uh, manifestation, uh, like to encourage people to use a screen name that helps you manifest. You don't want to have a screen name that says something like "lonely in Tennessee," you know, or or uh, uh, the dead broke, dead broke in Seattle, uh, can't win for losing in New York. You don't want names like this because words manifest, and they really do. That's what spell casting is all about. And what you send out there will surely come back to you, right? So um, put success in your every word, your every word, every part of your life, every your every action should be a manifestation of what you want to get back. And sometimes that's hard when life's discouraging and everywhere you look, things seem to be falling apart. But um, if you hang out on the internet and social media, all you see sometimes is anxiety and predictions of doom and gloom, and maybe that's not a good place to hang out. Uh, I know a lot of people are quitting Facebook. They're just getting off of Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that altogether. They're just tired of it. I think that's a little extreme. There's a thing called a block button, uh, a snooze button. If you find that you have some people on your Facebook page that all they talk about is how bad things are, you might want to snooze them for a little bit and get a break from it. Nothing wrong with going back to pictures of food and cats and dogs, man. Um, you, you know, uh, there are better, there are other ways to get your news than people screaming in your all the time about how unjust things are. You don't need to tell me that. I don't need to look at Facebook to know that. So let's look at our prayers, and we'll start with prayer ID seven six four one one, who says, "Please." Pray, and I can say this because it's a dog. Please pray for Peyton's healing. This is a little dog, a dark chocolate Labrador. He has intestinal issues and hasn't been eating. They're going to put him to sleep soon if he doesn't improve. Oh, little doggy, get better. Amen. And uh, furthermore, this uh, person also prays, uh, says she has knee problems and an injury that requires surgery. I hope you get better too. And she also has problems. Uh, financial problems and hopes that the money comes through to pay her bills and get out of debt. And she hopes her finances and income significantly improve. So we hope all, all good news comes to you and blessings. So I pray right 76408 who says, I need everyone to deeply pray for me this evening. And we're all talking about uh, September 18th today. I found out this week if I'm accepted for a new home at this place and send me lots of prayers I get approved or I might be homeless so I do hope you get approved uh, young lady I do hope you get approved and uh, that you find a new home amen pray ready 76407 who says I pray for health happiness and prosperity I pray that I'll be in a position where I'm able to be healthy happy and be financially stable so that I can help myself and others may it be so amen and prayer ID 76406, who says, Lord and Archangel Michael and Raphael, I ask you to intervene with the negative influences hurting Jay and give her an option for living in a decent environment. Let her heal from tragedy and trauma. 
Fill me with your strength to comfort and be there for her. And fill her with courage and repel evil that seeks to destroy the light. Bless us. Amen. And prayer ID 76405, who prays for, uh, it's a court case prayer, and prays for guidance, favor, finances, to handle legal issues that are trying to block an ideal apartment for me. Time crunched, balance is low, praying for serious divine intervention and complete overcoming in Jesus' name as soon as possible. Thank you. Amen. And prayer ID 76404 who says, thank you to all those that lift me up in prayer once again. This is D.D. The appellate defenders contacted me, time to defend me in my case, and the Flamingo is considering accepting my event. Is that the Flamingo in Vegas? Much hard, painful work finally coming to fruition, and thank you so very much for lifting me up and helping me to get through this. Amen. And prayer ID 76403. Please pray for the release and safe return to KRT to the loving arms and home of CMH. There are many forces that work bad, people who work together to keep KRT away from CMH. And this needs to stop. Those bad people need to go away, and I don't much care how. Amen. And prayer ID 76402. Please pray that my daughter KJ's soccer skill level will get better and better every day. Let Coach Bob, MF, and BF be so happy amazed at her progress that they permanently put her in a starting varsity position on the FHS soccer team for the rest of 2018 and let her play at 45-plus minutes in each varsity game for the rest of the 2018 season and let the coaches make KJ a co-captain and also give her a permanent starting varsity position on the 2019 FHS varsity soccer team. Amen. And prayer ID 76401. Oh, Lord, pray for a financial arrangement quick with this insurance for the car on Saturday night. Help me to increase my finances in movies. Thanks for the universe for all financial blessings. Nice trips, success, and business. Protect me on the road. Amen. Prayer ID 76399. Please pray for all obstacles to be removed that are preventing me and my husband from get, future husband from getting married and having better communication. Amen. And what a good-looking couple. Prayer ID 76398. The place I was living caught on fire Saturday. Oh, and my son and I can no longer live there. It was an unfit place to stay and was only for transition. I understand that... That now God truly works in mysterious ways. We lost a lot in moving here, and now we must move again. Please pray we find a better place to live where we are both happy. Also, please pray that our needs are met and that the situation strengthens our faith and that the next home is the home we can stay for a long time. Thanks. Amen. And prayer ID 76397 and a few others after that by the same person. He says, help me find and manifest the perfect and safest place to live with my wife and to permanently heal me from any and all legal problems with my father and to permanently heal any and all sexual problems and to remove any and all curses permanently from me and to permanently heal any and all depression and to heal and bless my entire family and to heal, bless, and enlighten me permanently and to help and protect me on all levels of my existence, and to completely heal and protect all of my pets permanently, and to manifest permanent great financial wealth and abundance in my life, and to protect me from any and all danger, and to heal any and all of my emotions, and to attract to me and manifest the best and perfect love relationship or marriage for my lifetime. Amen. And prayer ID 76384, who's praying for her nephew and says, Let him find the grace to believe in me again and soon help him be my friend and receive friends. Amen. 
And prayer ID 76382, who wants to remove a cursed person, please pray that D is removed out of BL's life and environment forever. Amen. And prayer ID 76381, I pray to master the technique of protection as soon as possible, please. Amen. And prayer ID 76380, praying they come out today and fix my air conditioning. It's unbearable. Amen. Priority 76379 prays that both my wives to come home to get along polygamy, to hear from wives, influences to stop messing with us being family, having kids. Let me understand this. You have two wives and you wanted to get along. Okay. I hope that works out for you. Prayer, I've had trouble with one wife getting along too. That's, I don't know. Priority 76378. Please pray that T doesn't have rabies and her health gets better. Please pray she's protected. Oh, my goodness, if she's – get her shots. Don't pray. Don't pray. Get her shots if, she, if you think she has rabies. Pray right, 7637. If, if, if symptoms show up, she's dead. If a person has symptoms of rabies, it's too late. They're dead. Get her shots if you think there's a chance. Pray right, 76377. Please heal my skin and heart murmur, high blood pressure, and rid me of infections. I want to be a healthy weight. Amen. Then we have prayer ID 76374 and a couple of others about the same person. I would sincerely request prayer for my overwhelming anxiety over a Social Security Disability Court case on November 29th. Please pray that a judge will rule favorably for me. Thank you. And the other prayer is also about that same case. I've been waiting for three years, and I finally have a court date. Thank you so much for my prayers. Amen. Why don't we have a moment of silent prayer for all those in need of healing and comfort and support? Amen. Well, last week we had uh, been reading about uh, the Cherokee legend of the slant-eyed giant and how he found a wife, and he would come to her at night. And uh, his wife's mother, his mother-in-law, was uh, a woman who was not easily satisfied. She said, why doesn't he bring us meat? And he would bring out deer and she complained that she had to clean the deer and skin it. And she said, why don't you bring us wood? And he brought her whole trees, and she complained that she had to, that he didn't chop it up. So he, he uh, took the trees away, so the old woman had to go gather wood on her own. 
And um, the old woman uh, said uh, to the uh, her daughter, your husband always leaves before daylight. Why doesn't he wait? I want to see what kind of a son-in-law I had. So uh, the girl told this to her husband, and he said, he said, I can't let the old woman see me because the sight would frighten her. And uh, so the girl said, well, she wants to see you anyhow. And she began to cry and plead. And uh, so uh, Sukalu, who was the Slanai Giant's name, said, uh, well, she can come in to our home and see me, but I'm going to warn you that the mother must not say that I'm ugly and frightful, which is uskasi uh, tiu. She must not call me uskasi tiu, which is a word that means ugly and frightful. So the next morning, he didn't leave at daybreak like he normally did. He stayed in their little hut, and when it was daylight, the girl went out and said, Mom, Mom, you can come in and see him. So the old woman came in, and she looked in, and there she saw a great giant with long slanting eyes, which uh, is a Tukalu, which means long slanting eyes, lying doubled up on the floor with his head against the rafters in the left-hand corner and his toes scraping the roof in the right-hand corner. And she gave him only one look and ran back to the house crying, <laughs> Ugatsi to you, Ugatsi to you. You know, she says, ah, frightful and ugly. So uh, Tukalu was uh, very mad about this. So he untwisted himself and came out of the hut and said goodbye to the girl, telling her that he would never let the mother see him again, but he'd go back to his own country. So he went off in the direction of the high mountain where he lived. But soon after he left, the girl had her monthly period, and there was a very great flow of blood. And so the mother threw it all into the river. So one night, uh, some time later, after the girl got on the bed, her husband came to the door and said, it seems you're alone. And he asked, where's the child? And she said, well, there's no child. Then he asked, where's the blood? And she said that her mom had thrown it in the river. She told just where the place was. And uh, Tukalu went there and found a small worm in the water. So he took that worm up and carried it back to the uh, hut. And as he walked, it took form and began to grow until he reached the hut. It was a baby girl. And he gave it to his wife and said, Your mother does not like me and abuses our child by throwing it in the river, right? So come and let us go to my home. So she told her mother goodbye and took, took up the child and they went off together to, uh, to uh, his home. So the girl had an older brother who lived with his own wife in another settlement. And uh, when the brother heard his sister had married, he came to pay a visit to her and her new husband. But when he arrived to that place, his mother told him his sister had taken her child and gone away with her husband, and nobody knew where. So he was sorry to see his mother so alone, so he said he'd go after his sister and try to find her and bring her back. So it was very easy to follow the footprints of this giant, right? So the young men went along the trail, and he came to a place where they'd rested, and there were tracks on the ground where a child had been lying, and other marks as if a baby had been born there. So he went on along the trail and came to another place where they'd been rested, and there were tracks of a baby crawling around and another lying on the ground. So he went on and came to where they'd been rested again, and there were tracks of a child walking and another crawling about. So he went on until he came where they'd rested again, and now there were tracks of one child running and another walking. So he followed them along the stream into the mountains and came to the place where they dressed it again. And this time there were footprints of two children running all about. And the footprints can still be seen in the rocks at that place to this day. So twice again he found where they dressed it. And then the trail led up the slope of the mountain, which we know now is about where Klingman's Dome is in the Smoky Mountains. And he heard the sound of a drum and voices as if people were dancing inside a mountain. And he came to an eave, which is like a doorway in the side of the mountain, but the rock was so steep and smooth that he could not climb up to it. But he could only just look over the edge and see the heads and shoulders of a great many people dancing inside. And he saw his sister dancing among them, and he called to her to come out. 
and she tur- turned when he heard his voice, and as soon as the drumming stopped for a while, she came out to him, and finding no trouble to climb down the rock and leading her two little children by the hand. And she was very glad to meet her brother and talk to him for a long time, but she didn't ask him to come inside, and at last he went away without having seen her husband. So over the course of time, her brother came to the mountain, but always his sister met him outside, and he could never see her husband. So after four years had passed, she came one day to her mother's house and said her husband had been hunting in the woods nearby, and they were getting ready to start home the next day. And if her mother and brother would come early in the morning, they could see their husband. But if they came too late for that, she said, they'd find plenty of meat to take home. So she went back into the woods, and the mother ran to tell her son that they came to the place early the next morning, but Sukalu and his family were already gone. On the drying poles, they found the bodies of freshly killed deer hanging, as the girl had promised, and there were so many that they went back and told all their friends to come for them, and there was enough for the entire settlement. But still, the brother had a great desire and a great curiosity to see his sister and her husband, so he went again to the mountain, and she came out to meet him. He asked to see her husband, and this time she told him to come inside with her. And they went in as though a doorway, and inside he found it like a great townhouse, and they seemed to be alone, but his sister called aloud, He wants to see you, and from the air came a voice, You cannot see me until you put on a new dress, and then you can see me. I'm willing, said the young man, speaking to this unseen spirit. And from the air came the voice again, Go back then, and tell your people that to see me, they must go into the townhouse and fast seven days. And in all that time, they must not come out from the townhouse or raise the war whoop. And on the seventh day, I shall come with new dresses for you to put on so that you can all see me. That's my spirit voice. So the young man went back to Kanuga and told the people, They all wanted to see Sukalu, who owned all the game in the mountains. So they went into the townhouse and began to fast. And they fasted the first day and the second and every day until the seventh. All but one man from another settlement who slipped out every night when it was dark to get something to eat and slipped in again when no one was watching. So on the morning of the seventh day, the sun was just coming up in the east when they heard a great noise like the thunder of rocks rolling down the side of the mountain. They were obviously frightened and drew near together in the townhouse, and nobody made a sound. So nearer and nearer came the sound until it grew into an awful roar, and everyone trembled and held his breath, all but one man, that stranger from the other settlement, who was well-fed from eating every night, and... He lost his senses from fear and ran out of the townhouse and shouted the war cry. And all at once, the people in the townhouse heard the roar suddenly stopped as if cut off, and for some time there was silence. Then they heard it again, but as if it were going further away, and then further and further until at last it died away in the direction of the mountain, and then all was still again. The people came out from the townhouse, but there was silence, and they could see nothing but what had been seven days before. Now, the brother, you'd think, would be disheartened by this failure to see his uh, brother-in-law, but no, he wasn't. He was a stout man, and he came again to see his sister, and she brought him into the mountain. He asked why Tukalu had not brought the new dresses, as he had promised, and the voice from the air said, Well, I came with them. But she did not obey my word, but broke the fast and raised the war cry. So the young man said, It wasn't done by our people, but by a stranger. If you'll come again, we'll surely do as you say. But the voice answered, Now you can never see me. And then the young man could not say any more, and he went back to Kanuga. And that was the story of the giant slant-eyed Hunter, who owned all the game in the woods and how the people even came to know about him. Let's take a break for station identification and we'll come back with another story. The 
LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Condrum Holly, Sunday at 3.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, and the Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7, all time specific, add 3 hours for Eastern, Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. <clears throat> this is the story of the daughter of the sun, and listen carefully to this story, it's very interesting. The sun lived on the other side of the sky vault, but her daughter lived in the middle of the sky, directly above the earth, and every day as the sun was climbing along the sky arch to the west, she would stop at her daughter's house for dinner. Now as it happened, the sun hated the people on the earth, because they could never look straight at her without screwing up their faces and generally looking ugly and kind of funny. So she said to her brother, the moon, My grandchildren are ugly. They grin all over their faces when they look at me. But the moon said, I like my younger brothers. I think they're very handsome because they always smiled pleasantly when they saw him in the sky at night. For his rays were milder and smiled down upon them as they were making love. So the sun was jealous and planned to kill all the people. So every day when she got near her daughter's house, she sent down such burning rays that there was a great fever and the peoples died by the hundreds until everyone had lost some friend and there was fear that no one would be left on the earth. So they went for help to the little men who said the only way to save themselves was to kill the sun. So the little men made medicine and changed two men to snakes, the spreading adder and the copperhead, and sent them to watch near the door of the daughter of the sun to bite the old sun when she came the next day. So these two magic snakes, the spreading adder and the copperhead, went together, and they hid near the house until the sun came. But when the spreading adder was about to spring, the bright light blinded him, and he could only spit out yellow slime, as he does this day when he tries to bite. So... The sun called him a nasty thing and went by into the house, and the copperhead crawled off without trying to do anything. So the people still died from the heat, and they went back to the little men a second time for help. So the little men made medicine again and changed one man into the great Utena and another into the rattlesnake and sent them to watch through the house and killed the old sun when she came for dinner. They made the Utena very large with horns on his head, and everyone thought he would be sure to do the work, but the rattlesnake was so quick and eager that he got ahead and coiled up just outside the house. And when the son's daughter opened the door to look out for her mother, he sprang up and bit her, and she fell dead in the doorway. And he forgot to wait for the old son, but went back to the people, and the Utenda was so very angry that he went back too. Since then... We pray to the rattlesnake and do not kill him because he is kind and never tries to bite if we don't disturb him. The Uctina grew angrier all the time and very dangerous, so that if he even looked at a man, that man's family would die. So after a long time, the people held a council and decided that he was too dangerous to be with them, so they sent him up to the top of the mountain, and he's there now. The spreading adder, the copperhead, the rattlesnake, and the Uctina were all men at one time. When the son found her daughter dead, she went to the house and grieved, and the people didn't die anymore. But now the world was dark all the time, because the sun wouldn't come out. So they went again to the little men, and these told them that if they wanted the sun to come out again, they must bring back her daughter from Sujinyai, the ghost country, in Usunhaya, the darkening land in the West. So they chose seven men to go and gave each a sour wood rod a hand's breadth long. The little men told them that they must take a box with them, and when they got to Tsuxgenia, they would find all the ghosts at a dance. 
These men must stand outside the circle, and when the young woman passed in the dance, they must strike her with the rods, and she would fall to the ground. Then they must put her in the box and bring her back to her mother, but they must be very sure not to open the box, even a little bit, until they were home again. So they took the rods in a box and traveled seven days to the west until they came to the darkening land. There were a great many people there, and they were having a dance just as if they were at home in the settlements. The young, women, the young woman was in the outside circle, and as she swung around to where the seven men were standing, one struck her with his rod, and she turned her head and saw him. As she came around the second time, another touched her with his rod, and then another and another, until at the seventh round she fell out of the ring, and they put her in the box and closed the lid fast. The other ghosts seemed never to notice what had happened. They took up the box and started home toward the east. In a little while, the girl came to life again and begged to be let out of the box, but they made no answer and went on. Soon she called again and said she was hungry, but still they made no answer and went on. After another while, she spoke again and called for a drink and pleaded so that it was very hard to listen to her. But the men who carried the box said nothing and still went on. When at last they were very near home, she called again and begged them to raise the lid just a little because she was smothering. They were afraid she was really dying now, so they lifted the lid a little to give her air. But as they did so, there was a fluttering sound inside and something flew past them into the thicket, and they heard a redbird cry, Queesh, 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 in the bushes. They shut down the lid and went on again to the settlements, but when they got there and opened the box, it was empty. So we know the red bird is the daughter of the sun, and if the men had kept the box closed, as the little men told them to do, they would have brought her home safely, and we could bring back our other friends also from the ghost country. But now when they die, we can't bring them back. The sun had been glad when they started to the ghost country, but when they came back without her daughter, she grieved and cried, My daughter, my daughter, and wept until her tears made a flood upon the earth and the people were afraid the world would be drowned. They held another council and sent their handsomest young men and women to amuse her so that she would stop crying. And they danced before the sun and sang the best songs, but for a long time she kept her face covered and paid no attention, until at last the drummer suddenly changed the song when she lifted up her face and was so pleased at the sight that she forgot her grief and smiled. These stories don't seem to have a uh, like a kicker ending, you know. They they just kind of end. And now we'll learn about how they brought back the tobacco, one of of course the four sacred herbs of the American Indians. You know about the four sacred herbs? There's tobacco, sage, sweet grass, and cedar, the four sacred herbs of the nations. Um these are herbs that you can smudge or smoke or make incense from or oils. Very important. If you know this kind of thing. So in the beginning of the world, when people and animals were all the same, there was only one tobacco plant to which they all came for their tobacco until the Dagukugi stole it and carried it far away to the south. And now the people were suffering because they didn't have their tobacco. And there was one old woman who grew so thin and weak that everybody said she would die soon unless you could get tobacco to keep her alive. That was like my mom, and my mom didn't have her tobacco. She uh, she suffered greatly. Different animals offered to go for it, one after another. The larger ones first, and then the smaller ones. But the Dagukul saw and killed everyone before he could get to the plant. That was one mean goose. After the others... The little mole tried to reach it by going under the ground, but the Dagoku saw his track and killed him as he came out. At last, the hummingbird offered. But the others said he was, he was just too small and might as well stay at home. And he begged them to let him try. So they showed him a plant in the field and told him to let them see how he would go about it. So the next moment, whoosh, he was gone. And they saw him sitting on the plant, and then in a moment he was back again. But no one had seen him coming or going because he was so swift. This is the way I'll do it, said the hummingbird quietly. And so they let him try. What did they have to lose? He flew off to the east, 
and when he came inside of tobacco, the doggo cool were watching all about it, but they could not see him because he was so small and flew so swiftly. He darted down on the plant, da, and snatched off the top with the leaves and seeds and was off again before the doggo cool knew what had even happened. Before he got home with the tobacco, the old woman had fainted, and they thought she was dead. But the little hummingbird blew the smoke into her nostrils, and with a cry of, Salut, tobacco! She opened her eyes and was alive again. Now there's a second version of this story, which depends on who you want to believe. So it said the people had tobacco in the beginning, but they'd used it all, and there was great suffering for want of it. So there was one old man so old that he had to be kept alive by smoking. Isn't that funny? You know, tobacco kept people alive back then. That's before the tobacco companies got their hands on it and ruined it. And as his son did not want to see him die, he decided to go himself to try to get some more. So the tobacco country was far to the south, with high mountains all around it. And the passes were guarded so that it was very hard to get into it. But the young man was a conjurer. That's what it says. He was a conjurer and was not afraid. So he traveled southward until he came to the mountains on the border of the tobacco country. Then he opened his medicine bag and took out a little hummingbird skin, and he put it over himself like a dress. He immediately transformed into a hummingbird and flew over the mountains to the tobacco field, and he pulled some of the leaves and seed and put them into his medicine bag. He was so small and tiny and swift that the guards, whoever they were, did not see him. And when he had taken as much as he could carry, he flew back over the mountains in the same way. Then he took off his hummingbird skin and put it into his medicine bag and stood erect as a man again. And he started home and on his way came to a tree that had a hole in his trunk like a door near the first branches. And a very pretty woman was looking out from it. He stopped and tried to climb this tree, but although he was a good climber, he found that he always slipped back. So he put on a pair of medicine moccasins from his pouch, and then he could climb the tree. But when he reached the first branches, he looked up, and the hole was still as far away as before. How curious. He climbed higher and higher, but every time he looked up, the hole seemed to be further than before, and at last he was tired and came down again. When he reached home, he found his, far his father, very weak but still alive, and one draw at the pipe made him strong again. And the people planted the seed and have had tobacco ever since. And we have time, I think, for one more story, don't we? This is a story about how some men decided to go find out where the sun came from. It's the journey to the sunrise. And so a long time ago, several young men decided they were going to find the place where the sun lives and see what the sun was like. So they got ready. They packed their bows and arrows, and they packed up some dried corn, and they got some extra shoes because it was a long walk. And they started out toward the east. And at first they met friendly tribes that they knew. Then they came to tribes they'd only heard about. And at last they met tribes of which they'd never heard. Very strange tribes of curious ways. There's a tribe of root eaters and another of acorn eaters. And they had great piles of acorn shells near their houses. In one tribe, they found a sick man dying and were told it was the custom there when a man died to bury his wife in the same grave with him. And they waited until he was dead. And when they saw his friends lower the body into a great pit, so deep and dark that from the top they couldn't see the bottom, then a rope was tied around the woman's body together with a bundle of pine knots. A lighted pine knot was put into her hand and she was lowered into the pit to die there in the darkness after the last pine knot was burned. Like in Egypt, you know. Uh, the young men traveled on until they came at last to the sunrise place where the sky reaches down to the ground. They found that the sky was an arch or vault of solid rock hung above the earth and was always swinging up and down so that when it went up, there was an open place like a door between the sky and ground and when it swung back, the door was shut. And the sun came out of this door from the east and climbed along on the inside of the arch. It had a human figure, but was too bright for them to see clearly and too hot to come very near. They waited until the sun had come out and then tried to get through while the door was still open. 
But just as the first one was in the doorway, the rock came down and crushed him. So the other six were afraid to try it. And as they were now at the end of the world, they turned around and started back again. But they had traveled so far that they were old men now by the time they reached home. And now the story, which is kind of a continuation of this one, about the moon and the thunders. So what we learn now is that the sun was a young woman and lived in the east, and her brother, the moon, lived in the west. So the girl had a lover who used to come every month in the dark of the moon to court her. He'd come at night and leave before daylight, and although she talked with him, she couldn't see his face in the dark, and he'd not tell her his name until she was wondering all the time, who could this be? So at last she hit upon a plan to find out. So the next time he came, as they were sitting together in the dark of the uh, the hut where the moon lived, she slyly dipped her hand into the cinders and ashes of the fireplace and rubbed it over his face, saying, Your face is cold. You must have suffered from the wind and pretending to be very sorry for him. But he didn't know that she had ashes on her hand. So after a while, he left her and went away again. The next night when the moon came up in the sky, his face was covered with spots. And then his sister knew he was the one who'd been coming to see her. He was so much ashamed to have her know, know it that he kept as far away as he could at the other end of the sky all the night. So ever since, he tries to keep a long way behind the sun. And when he does sometimes have to come near her in the west, he makes himself as thin as a ribbon so that he can hardly be seen. And some of the old people say that the moon is a ball which was thrown up against the sky in a game a long time ago. That story goes as follows. They say that two towns were playing against each other, but one of them had the best runners and had almost won the game when the leader of the other side picked up the ball with his hand, a thing that's not allowed in this game, and tried to throw it to the goal, but it struck against the solid sky vault and was fastened there to remind players never to cheat. So when the moon looks small and pale, it's because someone has handled the ball unfairly. And for this reason, they formerly played only at the time of a full moon. And when the sun or moon is eclipsed, it's because a great frog up in the sky is trying to swallow it. And it says everybody knows this, even the Creeks and the other tribes. And in the olden times, 80 or 100 years ago, before the great medicine men were all dead, whenever they saw the sun grow dark, the people would come together and fire guns and beat the drum and in a little while, this would frighten off the great frog, and the sun would be all right again. And the common people call both sun and moon Nunda, one being Nunda that dwells in the day, and the other Nunda that dwells in the night. But the priests call the sun Sutaladihi, six-killer, and the moon Giyaguga, though nobody knows now what this word means or why they use these names. And sometimes people ask the moon not to let it rain or snow. And the great thunder and his sons, the two thunder boys, live far in the west above the sky vault. The lightning and the rainbow are their beautiful dress. The priests pray to the thunder and call him the red man, because that is the brightest color of his dress. And there are other thunders that live lower down in the cliffs and mountains and under waterfalls and travel on invisible bridges from one high peak to another, where they have their townhouses. And the great thunders above the sky are kind and helpful when we pray to them, but these other are always plotting mischief. One must not point at the rainbow, or one's finger will swell at the lower joint. We've talked about the sun. We've talked about the moon. Let's look at the stars and what the stars are like. There are different opinions about the stars. Some say they're balls of light. Others say they're human. But most people say they're living creatures covered with luminous fur or feathers. And one night, a hunting party camping in the mountains noticed two lights like large stars moving along the top of a distant ridge. So they wondered and watched until the light disappeared on the other side. And the next night and the next, they saw the lights again moving along the ridge and after talking over the matter, decided to go on the morrow and try to learn the cause. In the morning, they started out and went until they came to the ridge, where, after searching some time, 
they found two strange creatures about so large, which is about if you, it's indicated you stretch your arms out at arm's length and make a circle with round bodies covered with fine fur or downy feathers from which small heads stuck out like the heads of terrapins. These are, these are turtles. As the breeds played upon these feathers, showers of sparks flew out. So the hunters carried the strange creatures back to the camp, intending to take them home to the settlements on their return. And they kept them for several days and noticed that every night they would grow bright and shine like great stars, although by day there were only balls of gray fur, except when the wind stirred and made the sparks fly out. They kept very quiet, and no one thought of their trying to escape, when on the seventh night they suddenly rose from the ground like balls of fire and were soon above the tops of the trees. And higher and higher they went, while the wandering hunters watched, until at last there were only two bright points of light in the dark sky, and that's when the hunters realized that these strange pets that they had brought home were actually stars. We're going to stop now, and we'll pick up next week with uh, some more tales and possibly some a little history of, uh, of this wonderful people and these wonderful stories from which we can learn so much. Uh, thanks for bearing with with us and thanks for joining us and we will see you next week and we'll go out with just a little bit of music and I'm your host uh, John St. Germain this is the Crystal Silence League Hour as always um, join us again and uh, by golly you know we love you
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.